Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Attention, please. And now, it's Cutter's Rockcast. When have I ever stopped you from pressing start while in mid-conversation? How many times have I been in the middle of having a like a private conversation with you, and you <laughs> press start, and then I listen to the podcast that week, and I'm like, oh, shit, he put that in the recording? Yeah, well, what's on that? And man, it's just you and I turn the mics on and talk. That's the whole purpose. <laughs> well, fuck me. There's a whole bunch of information out there that I didn't anticipate. Yeah, I mean, same. Whatever. It is what it is. You know, we live, we're so far down the public eye <laughs> that the three people who give a shit about our personal lives, whatever. <laughs> what do you want to know? What do you want to know? I'm a divorced single dad and my girlfriend's a stripper. <laughs> and I'm a rock and roll radio DJ. What do you want to know? You're I have no life. Person. <laughs> <laughs> right? I have nobody. I have no friends. Nobody loves me. I have no kids. I've never been married. I'm just a waste. Almost 36-year-old single waste. I've been trying to figure out a way to really incorporate care. Katie into my band, but I don't know how to oh. do it. We're starting to write. Are you? Yeah. I can I can ghostwrite. Get a hold of Carrie. I write poetry all day long. In fact, I'm going to a poetry thing tonight. Are you? Yeah, a little spoken word thing happening later tonight. I'm not going to read her. I was just going to say, are you reading? Because if you no. are, no, I'm getting a babysitter. <laughs> I don't even care. Uh, whenever it is that I do read, I will never tell you. Otherwise, it'll be the kids and I like in the window of the place going, there's Katie. Whenever it is that I do read, I will never tell you. I won't tell my friends. Okay. It's, it's my my poetry is like the most like that is like I mean that's my like guts just yeah out there uh-huh. so yeah like to do that it's one thing to do that in front of strangers it's a whole other thing to do it in front of friends I get it so I completely get it that used to be me in writing yeah I mean not I, words though music oh, okay and my music sucked so that's how bad I was at it See, and that's, that's how what, bad my life was I this guess. is why I won't sing in front of people either it's the or maybe, whole. Maybe my life wasn't bad enough, and that's why my songs weren't good enough. That's what it is. Yeah. I think I've decided, though, that I just need to drop the bullshit and just do it. Say, fuck it. Yeah. Like, I really don't care if you think I suck. Yeah, who cares? As long as you're doing it for yourself, that's the whole reason. Any artistic movement of any kind, whether it's painting, whether it's poetry, spoken word, music, uh, singing, whatever it may be, it's that's what it is. It's I about think- It's about that. Is about that creative release for you. Who, if other people get along with to it, if other people enjoy it, great. If you can make money off of it, even better. But that's your personal release. Absolutely. But when it's my personal release for me, I just keep it for myself. So when you're showing it to other people, yeah, no, there's the feeling of the, not necessarily a need for validation or anything like that. You just you want the people that you're sharing it with to be like, wow, you, right, good for you. Yeah, I get it. But okay, so explain to me this. You get on because you've done spoken word on stage before. Mm-hmm. So if you go on stage and do that, obviously it's nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Is it? I don't even know if you would be able to answer this, but it, is it the same type of feeling when you do good in that situation, or or at least get that release that a musician would have, 
or is it more close to maybe what a stand-up comedian would have? Uh, I don't know because I've never done stand-up comedy. That's and what I'm, I'm saying. I don't know. If, I don't know if you'd be able to answer that, but it's uh, an interesting thought. I can tell you, it's a different feeling in release than it is when we do something in radio and like do something good for a great cause mm-hmm. um, that has a particular feeling, the feeling of being on stage and introducing a band has a particular feeling, the feeling of nailing a really great live break, you, you know, crack that, get off the mic. And you're sure. Like, Damn, that was a good break. Oh, I killed that, man. I got everything <laughs> I needed in 32 seconds. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's different feelings for those. The feeling I get when I walk off stage from spoken word, A, I'm still nervous. Like my hands are still shaking. My heart is still racing. So it's like when I do spoken word, I kind of get into character mode. So when I get done, character mode strips away and like all the fear comes right back. It's hard to explain, but I can't do it with singing. With singing, it's like I'm I'm just like, I mean, you've watched me sing in front of you and my hands were like, <laughs> ah, like putty the whole time. A gay friend of mine went over to Katie's house <laughs> And he kind of talked you into yeah. doing it. And you were, your hand was shaking mm-hmm. so bad, mm-hmm. so bad. But it was good. I like what you did it. was good. Thank you. Your voice was good. Thank you. You're obviously not a schooled musician. No. But so what? <laughs> because what you were doing was you could feel it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's such an important aspect of art is, is being able to feel it. And if I, as a listener, can feel it. It's something special. I think that's the most important thing of art is to inflict some sort of feeling, whether that is a good feeling or a bad feeling. Like you see it all the time. Hell, I say it even in going on air. If you react to me, that doesn't mean it's not going to hurt my feelings when you might say something negative, because I've definitely had things hurt my feelings more than I hoped and or anticipated them to. Yeah. But if you're saying something to me, whether you hate what I do or you love what I do or you hate what I said or you love it, whatever it is, I affected you. Mm-hmm. That's all I need to do. It doesn't matter in what way I affect you. I affected you. Now, I hope my goal is always to affect in a positive way. I want to put out a positive energy and, and I want people to hear me and think nice things about me. I don't want to be a person that angers other people. That's definitely not my goal. But if what I said or did angered you, then I affected you and I accomplished my goal. Because ultimately, I want to affect you. Ultimately, I want you to have a thought because of something I did or said. See, and that is the difference when it comes to music. And I've never been a lyricist. I've always been a, let me let me put together some sounds and, mm-hmm. and make it into something. But I've never felt that same, I need to affect you with this. It's been more of a, I want to play some rock and roll, have a good time, and I hope you enjoy it with me. But at the same time, sitting down to write and... It's been years since I've really mm-hmm. sat down to write music like I used to. Uh, but sitting down to write was that release time. It really, you know, it was, okay, I'm addicted to drugs. I need to get some sort of feeling out mm-hmm. because now I'm sober. Or, or um, you know, my, my kid won't talk to me, I, you know, whatever. I, whatever emotional landscape you're in at that period of time mm-hmm. affects the sounds of what I'm putting together. But to get on stage and do it was always just a, let's have some fun. See, I think that's where it was always hard for me because growing up, we we know that life was not easy. Growing up, a lot of shitty shit happened to me, plain and simple. Uh, and one of the only things that I had, the only thing that I had was writing. Um, my 
I didn't have the ability to speak. I was never one of those kids that like yelled a lot. That was kind of my brother's role. Him and my mom would get Mm -hmm. into it really hard. And I would just kind of hide away. Like I was, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to, I don't want to be in your face. I don't, if you're going to yell at me, then you don't respect me. And I don't want to have that conversation. Like let's have this conversation like you and I are having right now. Right. Let's be adults. Or I don't want to deal with it. Right. Basically. (laughs) Been that way my entire life. So even when I was a kid, I just didn't have a lot of time for the bullshit. So I would always write things down, writing. I mean, I have poems that I wrote when I was five, like notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks that are just filled with stuff. So for me, writing was my way to speak. It was my release. And all the times that I was silenced over so many other things, writing was the way that I always got stuff out. Um, I really wanted to play an instrument when I was a kid, but my mom was like, no, you're going to play a sport. I didn't come from a musical family. I came from an athletic family. So there wasn't an understanding really of the desire to have an instrument. Uh, And then in school, I started using my voice as an instrument. But anytime I would like sing at home, I was always told to shut up and that I couldn't sing. So you just kind of... Stop doing that. Yeah, you just I, continue I get it. to it write. Gets in, it gets right. into your head. It gets and... ingrained in your brain. So you just write and write and write. So writing was has always been my release. Writing has always been my way to get my emotions out. Um, as I got older and started picking up more and more creative things and processes and got further and further away from home and started kind of finding my own way. Um, I mean, I taught myself how to play a little bit of guitar and I hear things in my head. Like I hear songs in my head all the time. I just don't know how to take Ooh. those notes in Maybe my head. Maybe you should come ghostwrite. Right? I don't know how to take the notes in my head and put them to an instrument. So mm-hmm. because of that, because like in my head, it's there and it's done and it's complete. It's too frustrating for me to learn everything that I have to learn to get it out in a song. Yeah. So I can just here's the lyrics and then I'll paint because painting I can just do thoughtlessly and just kind of my emotions come out and my paintings and I'm done with that. Um, well, see, I, I realized quite a few years ago for me, uh, and it's the same. And if I apply this to radio, it's the same deal where I'm not the type of radio DJ to be like, I'm going to write a ton of bits and mm-hmm. I'm going to make print calls every day at this time. And I'm going to do all these morning show craziness, even though I did mornings for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just never that way. But I could take things. I could take things and I could put them together and I could make them sound really good. And my songwriting was the same way. My songs sucked, but I could take things and I could put them together and make them serviceable at the very least. Um, And for a moment in time, there was a period in my life where that was stronger than it was Mm -hmm. in other times. I then applied that same brain to radio. And that's what ended up happening years and years ago in the early 2000s. As much as you and Dorothy made fun of my tattoo (laughs) on the Rockcast a couple weeks ago. My band, LA50, was a member of the RIAA, the Recording Industry Association of America, uh, for a very minimal amount of time because it's expensive to be a member of that organization. Mm -hmm. And when you're an independent artist, when you're an independent musician, independent band, you have to pay for that, obviously, out of pocket. And it's these fees, and it doesn't really do anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you're on that level. At least it didn't. So I got curious the other day, Katie. I don't know if you saw the news about the band Bad Wolves, mm-hmm. Tommy Vex and and company. Uh, their cover of Zombie went platinum. Mm-hmm. Now you know what that means, right? Yes. Okay, so sales of one million copies. Yes. 
of that song. Of that particular song, because the song went platinum. Not the album. Not the album, Disobey. Correct. Uh, but I was curious as to how. Because if the album is only sold a little bit, you don't sell singles anymore. So how does the streaming, how does the downloads, all that work into the sales figures? Mm-hmm. You know, we get, as a music director, I get numbers thrown at me all the time right. from bands. You know, oh, such and such band with over 20 million YouTube views and 16 million Spotify plays. But and, where does that compare but where, to exactly Does that really matter in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things? Uh, yeah, it does. Well, it's this, but, and and there's ways that people can. I'm sorry to interrupt you real no, no, quick, but there's ways that people can say the the number in a different way to give it a different perception. For example, by saying ten thousand people voted for this, or I'm sorry, ten percent of people voted for this. That ten percent could mean ten people. Right. You know what I mean? But by saying 10%, you have a much higher number. So a lot of times I think that stuff happens too. Like, oh, there's 4 million plays of this song, but nobody's telling you that it was played 4 million times, but then switched on to another song within 20 seconds because it's not Right. So See, that's another. So how does that work? Does, does a stream have to go all the way through? Mm-hmm. Does it, or is it just the is first it 10 seconds? Like, what is it? Yeah. Like, we learned this in, uh, in media a long time ago, obviously. You know, it comes to, uh, let's, well, let's stay with digital. Uh, when it comes to something like pre-roll on YouTube, mm-hmm. which is the commercial that you see before the thing starts, mm-hmm. you know, you get there, you get a person's attention for what about two and a half seconds, three seconds, it's something like seconds. that. Is it down to two now? It's down to that two. number it continually used to be changes. Seven. It's gotten to two. Right. The last I had seen was three, but that's a while ago already. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a year ago. So, uh, so yeah, if, if you take a song and it streams. It's like, it hits some playlist on Spotify or on Apple Music mm-hmm. or whatever. Is it being skipped over? You know, how long does it? So anyway, I was curious about this and I started to do a little research with the RIAA. And if you go to their website, everything's laid out. You can read everything. Now, there's a lot of legal mumble jumble you have to get through to get some numbers and some links you have to click on to get download some PDFs. So I did because I was curious mm-hmm. on how this works. So we all know what a unit is, right? A unit is a, in, of an album. Let's start there. One unit is one sale of one copy of that album. Mm-hmm. Physical copy of that album. So you go into an independent record store or you go into a whatever. There's still some national chains. If you go in and buy a CD or a vinyl with obviously the resurgence of that, that equals one copy sold. So if you sell one million of those physical albums, that's automatically your platinum record. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It was a huge deal even when people sold records on the millions. Yeah. Uh, so it's a way bigger deal now, Metallica. Um, a physical single used to be, you know, the the 45s, obviously, mm-hmm. way, way back in the day. Because singles, remember because singles? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I, had the, I remember buying the Foo Fighters Big Me because single. Wow. All right. Uh, it had Go seven ahead. songs on it, man. Hey. That's pretty good for like, a single. Yeah, uh, so anyway, how does that work now, though? Like, Because obviously, when's the last time you went into a record store and bought something? Hmm. And I'm asking you because I know you're not a big vinyl person. 
person necessarily. Not that no, you don't mind it. I, just I that, love vinyls. Just that you I don't have, have a bunch of vinyls. I just right. don't have a record player right now, so there's no point right. in spending so you're money not on going, new vinyls. You're not going to the used record no, store and no. buying stuff. Uh, honest, I can. Mm. I know I bought something when I lived in Illinois, so it's been a so little at least over a year. And a half. Now that being said. I do buy albums at shows and things like that. But as sure, far as sure. going to an actual store to buy something, yeah, no, I haven't. And those count too. If mm-hmm. you buy a record at a show, that counts obviously as one unit sold. If those band, if those bands are a member of the RAA, and generally they are. If there's a publishing deal, they are. They almost have to be legally. Um, but that counts. But if you buy an album from a show, more of the percentage of the money sold from that goes to the artist itself. Which is exactly why I buy albums at shows instead yeah. of in stores. Exactly. Uh, but at shows, I know that that's putting gas in their car to get to the next place. In stores, I know that they're maybe getting 15 cents of that album. If maybe that. A buck, if at no, the very most. 10 cents, maybe. It, yeah. I mean, it, it's it depends. Yeah, it's pennies on the dollar mm-hmm. at, at best. Um, probably a penny on the dollar, to be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, so if you take streaming numbers, how it works is for a song. So let's go back to a song because I have that pulled up and there's a couple different PDFs and I got to switch back and forth. Uh, so each digital download counts as one unit okay. for the certification process. Okay. So if you are on iTunes and you download a song, that counts as one unit. For a streaming, it has to be, what is it, 150 on-demand audio and or video streams will count as one unit. So, okay. So, anything from Spotify or Pandora or YouTube or iTunes or Amazon. I I don't know if Pandora counts because it's not on-demand. This is on-demand. So, iTunes, Amazon Prime, Spotify, YouTube, YouTube, Vivo. Yeah, so if you go onto a, a service like a YouTube, for example, or Vimo, and you go, I want to watch this video, and mm-hmm. you type it in, and you hit play, that is an on-demand play. Okay. Same goes for the if you know YouTube recommendations and all that, because you it physically plays, so right. that that counts too. At least I imagine it does. Um, does it also count the streams? Do you know from social media? Because now, I mean, now you've got Instagram TV, which allows for up to an hour of television. I know nothing about Instagram TV, okay. so I have no idea. So now you've got Instagram TV, which allows, allows for up to an hour of video. So that could be potentially a place to put a video. You've got Facebook, which pushes the algorithm or pushes YouTube videos down in the algorithm because it's obviously trying to push its own I stuff would forward. Am- so would a Facebook video also count? It would have to. I would think so. Because it's still but... going back to the same. Pl- I mean, the the original source is still the same, meaning it's been uploaded by an ISP. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that has to be. Okay. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just curious. curious. Like that's a social media is always one of those things new that game. comes new into effect after the well, fact. And here's the thing. Like the RAA. Is Even really, when the rest of digital takes. They've really only recently figured out the whole streaming numbers. Oh I mean, God, it's yeah. only been in the last, I, I want to say half a decade. I mean, it's, it has, you know, maybe a little longer than that, but not by that not much. It's not like streaming has been around for a hundred years and they well, just and came up with something. I mean, it's only been around for. Streaming itself. To be years, in the mainstream maybe? world like this, yeah, I mean, let's see. I, think- I remember when Spotify launched in the United States, and it was in my.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Second go around in college, which is why it was a big deal, because I was in a digital mm -hmm. media Uh, class. But I want to say it started coming in the mainstream maybe around 2010, 11. I mean, it's 08. When did Google buy YouTube? Because that's really what kickstarted it, at least in the United States. I can't remember you what know? year that was. Well, anyway, um, and that has to be, yeah, that has to be like 2008, 2000, maybe a little earlier than that. 2005, maybe. Seven Somewhere in that world. Years. Somewhere in that world. Yeah, seven to ten years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, that streaming really became a thing. You know, iTunes... Obviously, the digital landscape, but that was easy. If you bought a record off of, off of iTunes, it counted as a sale. Yeah. Period. So if you when, bought a single off iTunes, it counted as a sale. It wasn't when, until streaming. When came musicians into play. started bitching about that, you know, oh, they're it, it. We don't get as much. Well, you're right. You don't get as much return on the investment, I guess. But the unit sale still counts the same. Mm -hmm. At least it was supposed to. <laughs> And that's just it, because Apple doesn't release a lot of information, so you don't really know yeah. uh, at the end of the day. Um, and because they don't release an information, how much of their streams are actually being counted, too, from Apple Music? I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's an. I mean, now we start getting into business insider shit, but... But that's the shit that's so interesting, because th there's so many things that even we inside of this industry don't really know and understand, because it's this whole new playing field in this new ground and I, I would imagine that even sitting down to, sitting down to have the conversation to decide how are we going to take people aren't buying albums anymore people aren't buying singles anymore how are we going to take these streams that are obviously important and obviously play a role and make a difference how are we going to take that and put that into these charts I can't imagine the amount of questions that were being asked look at the questions that you and I came up with in a couple of minutes well how long yeah. of a song What streaming services? How long do they have to play it for? Yeah, do they have all to click being for counted. It? Do they have to search it? Is it something that comes up randomly and plays? Does it get counted if it doesn't get played at least halfway through or a third of the way through? Or like what? You know what I mean? Like there's so many questions. Well, and that's just for sales. Yeah. The amount of research and information that goes into something as simple as my show, The Cutting Edge Countdown. I don't even want to know. I, <laughs> I use the published chart 
that that uh, a company called MediaBase publishes in the USA Today, and I do that on purpose. I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't want to do the other research involved. Are you kidding me? And that's all based off of North American radio plays. Now, if you start including streaming plays into that, mm-hmm. and then how does the genre differential break out? Do they go the same way that radio does? Mm-hmm. That would seem a little weird because radio is a different different animal altogether. Yep. So I yeah, fuck. There's so much. There's okay. so much involved. In so that. album mm-hmm. album ones are, are pretty similar, right? Okay. Each each premium digital album or physical album sale count as one unit, so that's the same as a song. Uh, it's 10 permanent track downloads from the album. Oh, so counts as one unit as well. So what you're saying then is that an album could have 20 songs on it. You could download only 10 of them and it would count. It counts as an album sold. Now, if you downloaded all 20 songs, would it count as one or two? Mm-hmm. Well, I think because this is worded... That'd be a question, sir. But the way this is worded, and I'll read this verbatim from the RAA. 10 permanent track downloads from the album count as one unit for certification purposes. So again, my question is... But that see, but I'm reading that as it doesn't matter how many songs are on the album. If 10 were permanently downloaded, it's one. Period. So even if you mm-hmm. downloaded the other 10 songs from the album, you've already downloaded 10 of the oh, songs. Oh, I see what you're saying. So therefore, that counts as one unit, not two. I see what Unless you're saying. it is... Counted as a double album because do you remember back in the day? Now, when I started figuring all this stuff out, this was in my early radio career when my band was doing this stuff. You know, I wanted to know, I wanted to know all the details. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it's changed completely four <laughs> years later, but I wanted to know all the details. So, what would happen is like a double album. For example, what is the biggest Smashing Pumpkins album ever? Oh, uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. How many copies have that has that sold? I don't know, but I have one. Ten million. Oh wow! But it didn't. It oh. sold five million. Counts as ten million because it's two records. Ah, humana, 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 humana. Uh huh. Exactly. So if you take an album like, That's I mean, like Zeppelin have a couple together. double records. It was in one box. I didn't have to buy two separate albums to get the double album. But how much did you pay for it? Do you remember? I got it through work, so it was free. Well, see, that doesn't count. Your copy doesn't count. It has a promo sticker on the back of it, um, or Does the it? or the 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 barcode is has a paper. Punch yeah, it through. has that. Um, yeah, double albums costed more. Hmm, they did. I mean, I remember double albums being like you know twenty five bucks, whereas regular album would be like seventeen so, or eighteen. So, so it's an interesting. I mean, what kind of thought process went into something like Load and Reload <laughs> or Use Your Illusion One, Use Your Illusion Two? And things like that that came out. Like, Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2 from Guns N' Roses came out the same day. Right. So, But they're two different records. They weren't produced as a double record. <clears throat> you didn't buy them together. <laughs> Nobody releases double records anymore, so I don't know. People just release every. They just release music whenever they feel like it now. It really shouldn't that be the way though at this point. Well, that was like, one who of the fucking things, cares. Like was, unless unless you're you're you know if you if you're Avenged Sevenfold mm-hmm. and you release an album like The Stage, which is a concept record, and really to understand it and enjoy it, you have. To, by the way, go back and listen to it now. It's a genius album. Okay. I didn't feel that way at first. Now I do. I okay. get it. Um, but if you listen to that from start to finish, there's a story told, mm-hmm. all of that. Obviously, bands like Dream Theater are very popular for that. You know, whatever. There's a concept to it. If you're just releasing an album of songs, like what a photo album would be, which is why it's called an album, then who cares? 
Mm-hmm. Just put them out when, the way you want to put them out. That was one of the things I remember Noodles from The Offspring talking about a couple of years ago and saying like somebody had asked him if uh, they were going to be releasing any Offspring albums. It was right after they, whatever that one-off song was that they released two years ago, yeah. three years ago, whatever. Um, I remember the conversation you're talking about. We were both in the room. There we go. Yeah. They were like, are you going to be releasing any albums? And it was one of those, uh, we'll do singles. Just release stuff as we feel like releasing stuff. There was really no concern in putting an entire <laughs> album together. And quite honestly, it makes sense that there's no concern. It made a lot of sense to me when Greta Van Fleet released two EPs and then put them together as a double EP. That made sense to me. Four mm-hmm. or five songs, it's digestible, it's quick in this ADD world where people are, their attention is being turned well, after and, two and seconds. They're, and they're a brand new band. They're, yep. They don't have the established... Why not throw a couple of songs out and see what happens? And now later this year they will release a full-length full album. album. Mm-hmm. With all new music. I have no problem with artists doing that. That's how it was... In the 60s, that's how it was 50s in the 50s. 60s, yeah. You know, you release singles. It wasn't until bands really like Led Zeppelin and The Who and everything kind of started like late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, because even the full, Beatles were releasing singles. Mm-hmm, when full albums started to take place. And a lot of the full album stuff started happening as radio started to split between AM and FM mm-hmm. and AM. Look at this history lesson we're getting I know, here today. Right? AM continued to play. We didn't even more, make any sex jokes yet. I know. AM continued to play many more of the singles, whereas FM started to go on full relationship mode in playing albums. Yeah, and that was mainly so the DJs could, could uh, have sex. Go to the bathroom sex, and have sex. Could have and sex do in the studio and do cocaine off yeah. the record players. Exactly. There's your sex joke. All right. There we're it good. is. There we is. got it before the half hour mark. But so I wonder here's the new question to ask then. I wonder how much of an effect radio splitting into AM, FM domains and being much more independently marketed as opposed to freeform radio that existed prior to that and which is still pretty much what exists overseas where everything is kind of played in all over one station. Right. Whereas here in the States, we've got, you know, you've got rock, you've got hip hop, you've got top 40, like everything is sectioned off. And the reason it's all sectioned off is because it's easier to sell to a targeted audience than it is to sell to a mass audience. So I wonder how much of the breaking out of the singles and into album plays, how much of that creation from the record side came to facilitate a need from the radio side as the radio side started expanding and playing full albums and being more dedicated to a targeted audience and having the ability to play more of the undercuts or to play a full album at night and stuff like that. Oh yeah, some of my favorite stories in rock and roll history are songs like Stairway to Heaven was a B-side, you know, like things like that. And they become the biggest, greatest songs ever recorded. Uh, and historical relevance. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's an interesting. I mean, that's Curious. more of a historical. Like we have to go to the radio museum or something. That's what I'm saying. You know. But I'm curious to <laughs> to wonder what effect that had, and Broadcast then now, live. and it just goes to show it's the whole chicken before the egg thing. Like what yeah. came first, and it just goes to show now too, going into a time when music is so much more readily available and the idea of putting out an entire album is becoming less and less of a necessity. 
Um, and you're able to put out more and more singles and do a lot more with those singles and really not ever have to release them. You never have to release an album. You never, in 2018, you absolutely positively do not have to release a hard copy of any of your music. No, you don't. At all. You don't. It is all available digitally. So if it is available digitally, why do you have to release an entire album? And this is coming from a person who loves to sit down and listen to entire albums. This is not me being like, what? This is a serious, legit question. Why release an entire album? You can save more money by releasing singles at, at one at a time. Yeah, and then if there's a demand for it, then you do it. You release a single, you see how it goes. Once it starts to fade away and people stop listening as much, you throw out another single. Make yourself relevant again. Okay, people stop listening to that, throw out another single. Keep making yourself relevant every couple of months by throwing out a new single every couple of months. And then at the end of it all, you're like, oh, I'll just throw it all together in one compilation. Okay. I think I just rewrote the music industry. No, I'm kidding. How do you make money off of that? How do you make money off of it now? I mean, you still sell stuff. You still sell. People still sell albums. People still sell. So people will still buy merchandise and come because to your they're shows not, and this tour is behind no, that. I want to say this publicly. I love Spotify. I'm mm -hmm. a huge fucking fan of Spotify. I was a huge fan of it when it wasn't available in the United States. Just the idea of it. When it launched in the United States, I bought into premium right away, and I've been a premium subscriber pretty much ever since. I tried Apple Music for a while. They're fine. It's a little bit different bells and whistles. That's cool. They're fine. But I love the idea of it. I love being able to get whatever music that I want to get whenever I want to mm -hmm. get it. And from my phone, I can download things off Spotify and I can listen to them without using my data, without whatever. If I'm going on a car ride, I'm going on a bike ride, I'm going somewhere, whatever. I love the idea of that. Artists make no mm -hmm. money off Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Prime or whatever. None. Mm -hmm. I mean, very little return on the music. So at this point now, the music's free. Well, and that's the thing. Even I, though I, and, and, and that's not to say they don't get anything. It's just spread so much. They don't get anything. They really don't get anything. Between the publishers, the managers, and things like that, by the time it comes back to the artist, there's just nothing left mm -hmm. because it's spread so thin. It's only 10 bucks a month to subscribe mm -hmm. to something like Spotify. Just It's the same price as Netflix and whatever else. That's where, to me, the business model is a problem. But unfortunately, exactly. we introduced this business model from the beginning with Napster when we didn't create didn't laws, regulations, rules, and structure behind it when Napster first started. Right now, Lars Ulrich just heard that line and went... Oh, absolutely. Dude, I have stood behind him on that since day one Same. and will continue to do so. We did not put in the proper structure, period, end of story. A few years ago, I think it was four or five years ago, Avicii, rest in peace, Avicii had the number one streamed and downloaded track on Spotify with over 40 million plays that year. Wake he got me up, it. Right? Huh? Wake me up. Yes. Yeah. He got a check for a little over four grand. Mm -hmm. 40 million plays and downloads in a year and uh -huh. he got a check for four thousand dollars to split between him and his other musician friend who helped create that song and labels and management and all the other shit that goes into it on top of equipment that doesn't even count so for me personally but hold on i'm gonna put a caveat to that please do because there are some musicians figuring it out and what i mean by figuring it out is they own their shit. Yep. There is no publishing. There is none of that. They just do it. 
And as much as I will sit and make fun of the pothead that is my friend Rick DeJesus from Adelita's Way, <laughs> he is one of those I people who has figured it yep. out. If his song streams 15 million times, which a lot of them have, mm-hmm. when he got dropped by Capitol Records back in the day, he retained all the rights to his music. Mm-hmm. So even a song like Invincible, which is arguably one of their biggest hits, and WWE still uses it, he gets all the returns on investments mm-hmm. on that. When they release a new song, he and his band mm-hmm. get it all back. He's paying for his own promo runs. He's paying, you know, whatever. They tour in a van now. Why? That, That's why. That is the biggest thing, I think. I, I think what happened Lindsay with, Sterling is another artist who does that. Prime PS. example. I think what happened is that just like everything else, when a new product or a new idea, thought process, whatever comes out, people are going to go against it because it's totally different than anything mm-hmm. they ever knew. The people that take it, adapt it, and figure out ways to make money on it in a capitalist society are going to be the ones who succeed the most in it. Yeah. You look at social media. How many times have I heard? Do you know how many times I have heard you'll never make money on social media? You'll never make money on social media. Do you know I make more money today in radio than I've ever made in my life? And I'm the digital content coordinator Uh for social media. So I get paid. To deal with social media, I get a salary more than I've ever made in radio before to handle social media. But I was told when I first started saying, like, we really need to play with social media, we really need to do this stuff, I was told that I would never make money in social media, ever. Not only do I make money in it, but I have people all over the country asking me my opinion on how to handle things. Yeah. So not only can you make money, but when there's room for me to fees start That's what I'm in. saying. I'm going to start sliding I'm going to get mama that. paid. It was the same thing when people were making videos on YouTube. You'll never make money. You'll never make money. You'll never make money. Now you have. Now you have. Here's a prime example. And I can't remember the chick's name, which I hate that I can't remember her name. But she's the new host of the relaunched Double Dare this chick, 40 million subscribers on YouTube. Do you know that is larger than the population of Canada? Do you know that the 40 million subscribers that she has on her YouTube channel are more people than watch the reboot day one of Roseanne, which was the highest ranked reboot of a TV show or one of the highest watched television episodes? There was only like 9 million people watched it. This chick has 40 million people that subscribe to her channel. That's how you make money. You put advertising on that. Influencers, social media influencers and creators. Oh, that's a big thing, obviously, with like Instagram and whatever. There's a huge ability to make money. That's how you do it. You have a brand sponsor your clothing, like sponsor you so that you get clothing that you wear at all your shows and that you put all over your social media pages and do advertising with it. Thank you very much. You get product placement where you're seen drinking a Monster Energy drink to sponsor your product or whatever (laughs) the case may be. You have advertisers that put a five second pre-roll on something that you put on your page. So if you're putting a real quick video up, you put a five second pre-roll on it. You put their link in your story. You have things get posted from you on Twitter and talk about it. You use all of the social medias that you have to market yourself in a proper way and talk about these products. And you do a lot of 
you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back type of thing until you build each other and then you build a community. And once you've built the community of people that you need to do everything you need to do, you will bankroll money. That's how you make money in the digital and social media era. Getting everybody to catch up and understand that, that's the hard part. And I'm going to close with this. If you are a musician or an artist, why not take that model and apply it to your own brand? Mm Because that's in general what you are. You are a brand. Mm-hmm. And if you need any consulting, please, by all means, hit me up at KTRG Rocks. <laughs> we can discuss fees. And apparently I can put sounds together. So uh, hit me up at Cutter Media. Boom. See, <laughs> we're already growing our community, Cutter. I'm inspired. Let's go make some money. We're going to get paid, yo. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. What? Cutter's Rockcast. Don't forget to tune in. Exactly. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.